Kathleen Scama, Western Energy Alliance. Oh, well, thank you for joining us here today. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about the new president, Joe Biden. And of course, right away, he signs 15, 16 executive orders, a couple of them directly impacting the oil and gas industry, specifically the Western part of the the Rocky Mountain region in the western United States when it comes to some of the federal land. So, Kathleen Scama, thanks for coming on today to talk a little bit about this. How's life in... Are you in Denver today? I am, and it's snowing nicely. Snowing in Dakota here, and it's falling horizontally. Do you got vertical snow or horizontal snow? We have kind of a nice light snow, so nothing <laughs> horizontal. That sounds a little bit miserable. It's That's North Dakota for you. Okay, let's get to uh, the uh, executive orders now. Uh, first off, uh, if you want to go the federal lease, I imagine that's probably the most uh, um, prominent one, at least on your agenda. But we also have the Paris Accord, too, so I wanted to ask your opinion on that one as well. But let's start with the federal lease, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Well, we expect tomorrow during President Biden's climate day, that he is going to announce a one-year ban on leasing on federal lands. And that will hit the West pretty much exclusively. Um, University of Wyoming professor did a study um, that showed that banning leasing and development on federal lands would hit Western economies by 44 billion in lost gross domestic product and 72,000 jobs annually. And that's by just by the end of Biden's first term. So uh, out West where 97% or more of the federal production is located, um, the states that would be hit hardest of course are North Dakota, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and Montana. So I think the president has made a calculation that he has got to uh, pay off his climate activists um, that got him elected, and he is sacrificing jobs and economic opportunity in the West. Curious on your thoughts on the symbolism behind this particular executive order the first day in office. There was a lot of talk about banning the industry outright. He then switched it to transition. His first day in office, I, I, I'm i not one to speculate, but I do wonder how it would have been received if he would have came out and said something more of a transition word or an olive branch as opposed to an outright, you know, this, what we're talking about with the federal lease ban. I, I thought he missed a real golden opportunity to uh, give an olive branch to the oil and gas industry. And I, this this seemed to me pretty direct is all I'm getting at. I don't know if you have any comments on that or not, but. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. Now, there are moderate Democrats like Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia, um, some Texas Democrats who are uh, congressmen, um, there's some in the, the California oil patch as well um, that are moderate, but overall the party is, is has moved far away from the working class and has decided that the coastal elites are the, the base of their party. So the coastal elites demand that uh, climate change be addressed and they don't really care if 
Western jobs are sacrificed. They don't care if rural economies across the West uh, are pretty much decimated. Um, they look at federal lands as if they're Yellowstone and Yosemite. They go from San Francisco and New York and they go to Moab to ride their uh, mountain bikes or they go to Yellowstone to look at geysers uh, or rock climb in you know, Yosemite. They don't look at the hundreds of millions of acres of working working landscapes across the West that are suitable for ranching and mining and timber and, uh, of course, energy development. So they look at public lands and they see an opportunity for the government to exert more control on them, which they certainly do. And uh, that's that's just where they're going to focus their efforts first. Uh, you know, right on day one, President Biden announced he was going to revoke the permit for Keystone. He was going to stop leasing in, uh, stop moving forward in Anwar up in Alaska. Um, it's taken them a little bit longer in the Interior Department to figure out exactly what they're going to do. Um, they're going to announce tomorrow, likely, at least that's all the intel points to, is that they're going to announce a one-year leasing ban. Um, that one-year leasing ban, I think, would eventually become permanent, at least through the end of the Biden administration. So Western Energy Alliance plans to be in court challenging that. Um, according to the Mineral Leasing Act, the federal government shall hold leases in every oil and gas state where there is interest in leasing, and they shall do that quarterly. So it won't be too many weeks until they miss their quarterly deadline, and then we will be prepared to challenge them in court. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon has come out and said he's going to challenge the Biden administration if this continues down the path that's going. Have you talked to him at all? Are you guys forming alliances in the Western states beyond, um, you know, your organization? I mean, is it is it is it time to get to those safety and uh, strength and numbers things? I guess because I'm seeing more and more people that are are coming out, and it sounds like it's it's really geared up for quite a fight. Well, you know, we take the alliance part of our name very seriously. So we're always working with members of Congress, policymakers across the West, like governors. Um, other industry groups, other business groups, civic groups, counties. So, you know, Alliance is part of what we do at Western Energy Alliance. So yes, we are not the only ones who are disturbed by this uh, decimation of the oil and natural gas industry. I mean, it's not really about the industry. It's about livelihoods across the West. People, you know, working class people, hardworking people are employed in the industry. The uh, tax revenue that comes from oil and natural gas development is particularly important in Wyoming, North Dakota, New Mexico, where large parts of the state budgets come from oil and natural gas. So when you ban oil and gas leasing and development, you're taking hundreds of millions of dollars out of states, and um, that funding is hard to replace. You know, that, that represents schools and roads and public security, all kinds of public services. Another thing, too, that I think the president is missing is that oil and natural gas is pretty much the sole source of funding for conservation on public lands. So he is potentially putting at risk $1.3 billion of revenue uh, that goes into national parks and other public lands, and that comes from onshore oil and natural gas development, and he's risking another $900 million of conservation funding that comes from offshore development. And he's also planning to uh, 
you know, stop offshore. So, you know, he's drying up revenue for states. He's drying up revenue for conservation. I don't think he's really thought through the implications of his actions, or maybe he has, and he doesn't necessarily care that much because he's got to placate the environmental climate activists. That's, you know, that's what he's going to do tomorrow on his climate action day. It's interesting because, you know, Obama, a lot of that was said towards Obama that he was going to, you know, get rid of oil and gas or start the whole renewable revolution, that sort of thing. But he saw how much he needed it in the national economy to where, wasn't it exports? That, that It was under his administration lifting exports, which in turn was beneficial for the industry. So you would have thought that Biden would have learned a little bit about how the industry works to put it on this crash course like it is. I mean, drying up resources is a great way to put it. When you were talking, I, I started thinking, you know, you were mentioning the uh, funding for the public lands and conservation. Well, the first thing I thought of was Colorado. And, and just because it's your, you know, your backyard, they got a one-two punch going on because they're getting this from the state side and then turn around and now you've got this whole federal part too. Are they are they getting a one-two punch in Colorado? I mean, with the federal lands there, or is there not much drilling on federal lands in Colorado? Well, you know, the primary oil play in Colorado is on the Front Range, and there's not a lot of public lands on the Front Range. A little bit, but it's not that significant. It's the west slope of Colorado that um, is predominated by public lands, and that's where the oil and natural gas development on public lands takes place. So the... You know, that part, the Peons Basin of Western Colorado has kind of been in the doldrums for some time um, because it is so dominated by federal lands and it's a pretty dry natural gas basin. So um, certainly this will continue to be devastating to the economy of Western Colorado. Oh, that breaks my heart. I love Grand Junction, Frutia, all those areas. Rifle, rifle. Oh, lost my heart in rifle. That's such a beautiful place. Um Interesting out there because a lot of natural gas. So, I mean, natural gas is, is so much of the future and it's a foundation and a bridge and everything else. So I, I hope that uh, they, they get to their senses out there in western Colorado and understand how much that economy is needed out there. I mean, I understand they have some ag, but not even close like like the oil and gas revenues. But Sorry, That's I, right. Well, you know, you, uh, you, I, I, I fault you all up in the Bakken and now in the Permian in New Mexico because there's just so much associated gas off of our oil wells in uh, both states that it's really hard to drill a strictly natural gas well. And certainly when you add in the public lands factor where it just takes so much longer and costs so much more on federal lands, uh, the peons has been hurting for quite some time. Hmm. Well, uh, you mentioned the Paris uh, Paris Agreement. Uh, we'll kind of conclude the interview here. Uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, you, you you mentioned it a few times, but uh, just kind of. No, I didn't. You did. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, it at all. <laughs> oh, I thought you did. I, I apologize. <laughs> nope. Um, you mentioned um, anyway. Uh, just how, how do you see that playing into this? You know, because so much of that is tied to the fossil fuel industry now. Is I, I understand it's a political chip, but at the end of the day, those seem to be important these days. Well, you know, natural gas is the number one reason the United States has reduced more greenhouse gas emissions 
than wind and solar combined. We are the number one reason that the United States has reduced more greenhouse gas emissions. I'll say that again. That's because when you use more natural gas for electricity generation, um, because natural gas is so clean burning, it has fewer greenhouse gas emissions than coal. Um, we've actually um, really been a solution for climate change. We really significantly reduced greenhouse gas emissions. Now, the left doesn't want to hear that. The environmental groups don't want to hear that. They want to shut us down. They want to replace us with wind and solar. But the problem is wind and solar are not 24-7. And so that's why even though wind and solar have grown um, in, in the amount of generation capacity, um, we still beat them when it comes to reducing greenhouse gas emissions because we're, you know, we just provide more electricity um, and we do it reliably. So really natural gas and oil will continue to be part of our energy mix for, you know, until 2050 by any um, reliable energy estimate, including from, you know, international estimates and um, probably much further beyond, but most projections go out to 2050. So when we hear President Biden talk about going net zero by 2030, you know, that's a great soundbite, but we don't have the technology and alternative fuels that uh, would get us there. So it's easy for a politician to just say, all we need to do is wave the, the policy wand, but that's not exactly how things work until there's a replacement that does everything oil and natural gas do 24 seven, um, you know, saying net zero by 2035 when President Biden will be long out of office is a great soundbite, but not really reality. You like the uh, interview I just had where I kind of went off the deep end about the media, the way they covered that story. Uh, Biden mentioned about putting electric cars in there and they had 15 paragraphs about the, the goal he has with the electric cars and then the same eight paragraphs on climate change and all this other stuff. And then the last paragraph was that he doesn't have a plan. And I thought, well, if, if you're in the media, that's the story, that he doesn't have a plan. He's just got a crazy idea because there's nothing anyway. So I kind of went off on that a little bit. That was my uh, tangent on that. Um, uh, get, getting back to the Western Energy Alliance, uh, last time we had you on, you guys were looking for, I think, a membership director or a business development director or something like that. Have you guys filled that? And if so, let's uh, give them a plug. Sure, we did. We just uh, had a new business development person start uh, a couple of weeks ago, Sally Hellingstad. She used to be the executive director of the Denver Petroleum Club and then was at Whiting Petroleum for a little while. So we're excited to have her on board. Oh, she's been on the show before. Great. Oh, congratulations. Oh, great. Yeah, I think she's even a North Dakota girl, if my memory serves me yeah, right. Yeah, she is. Okay. She is originally from North Dakota, yes. But she's spent a good good amount of time in uh, Colorado, so that's probably her new home now. Who knows? I mean, it's hard to leave your home home, but, um, well, congratulations on that. I'm sure she'll do a great job, and um, good luck to you guys. Are you guys, um, I suppose, strength in numbers more than ever this year, so get get signed up with the Western Energy Alliance. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure being on your show today. Appreciate it.